You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Coming up on tonight's show, we will be looking at the infamous Gatlin's Law. It's been a long time since we've mentioned it, but it is covering, uh, we'll be covering that tonight as it's back on the back pages. So some interesting developments on that front. We'll also be looking at some other transfer news as well, involving one of Wales's brightest young talents. We'll, of course, be reviewing the derbies. That classic game on Friday night between Cardiff Blues and the Dragons and a West Wales epic between Ospreys and Scarlets on Saturday. And we'll have the usual team of the week review with our friends over at Adraig as well. And delighted to say welcome back to Daniel Killick. How are you, Dan? Yeah, super, super Jed sporting uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a town as well. We had um, mixed weather. Well, we did wonder, Dan. It sounded when I spoke to you last week as though you'd taken South Wales weather with you. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely. Uh, I felt like we were in Wales at times. It was um, biblical. But um, second, the second half of the week, it picked up. So um, yeah, my wife and uh, and the little ones were were happy. Were happy with that. But yeah, it was a good trip, good break, but good to be back as well. That's it, and plenty of rugby to catch up on when you got back too. Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't get better than coming back to a derby weekend. Enjoyed it. It does just have that extra edge, doesn't it? It really does. You know, kind of going into going into derby weekends, you just there's that added extra uh, extra excitement. And um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed both games, and looking forward to reviewing uh, reviewing both of those with you. But first, as I said there in the build-up. There once was a stage where we spoke about Gatlin's Law every week on this show, certainly in the early days. And I think this is probably the first mention this season, but it is, uh, yeah, it's very much kind of come back into prominence. Now, what has kind of triggered this is the news this week that Reese Webb is heading off to sunnier climbs and will be joining Toulon next season. And this has sparked uh, some more reaction into whether Gatlin's law is actually working, whether it ever did, what it actually means. I'm going to start with this, though, Dan. I mean, did you ever did you ever kind of get a grasp of exactly who was covered and who wasn't? It always seemed quite confusing right from the get go for me. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> no, no one's got a clue, have they? I mean, are we covered? Um, you know, are we, are we captured by it as as two Welshmen playing their trade in London? Is that presumably we'd be exempt just because we you know that that calibre of talent? I think I'm 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 exempt. You're caught, I think. Am I? God, yeah, that's, that that would explain why I've never. But I can't. Then. But I can't explain. What's your it? excuse? <laughs> it's it's not. Yeah, nobody's got a clue if they what. Um, you know who's captured, who's not. There's so many different loopholes to it. It's an absolute farce, really, isn't it? So I'm uh, I'm all for the all for the change, and uh, it, it 
it's going to come in, isn't it, pretty quickly now? Well, this is it, yeah. So I think it was Peter Jackson in the rugby paper kind of broke this story that um, kind of after a couple of days worth of speculation that we're expecting a move towards a more kind of Australian-style model that uh, that means that players who... Yeah, players won't be captured if they're... Um, if they're if they've got over 60 caps so when you've got those caps in the bank you're kind of able to go off and and ply your trade elsewhere and it's basically there to to be a kind of a, an incentive to keep people there at a younger a younger stage in their career do you think it's going to work then dan you seem, seem like you're in in favor of it well it'll definitely work a lot better than what's going on at the moment because there's no you know there's no um there's nothing that would stop you from going from going, uh, you know, over the bridge or to or to France at the moment, because you're gonna, you know, you, you, you're gonna be involved in uh, with with Team Wales. I think the only person that the only person I think that hasn't been involved or was caught was was Priestland, wasn't it? Well, Originally, it but now like he's not. It could have been called Priestland's Law because he. It almost yeah. seemed like it was set out to punish Priestland more than anyone, because you've had you know these weird situations. Because I, I don't, I seem to remember when we chatted about this last year. Charteris wasn't captured despite signing a contract afterwards, could never figure out exactly why. And then there was three wild cards, then four wild cards. So I think the long and short of it is the way the system was implemented from 2014 onwards simply didn't work. Yeah, no, it's safe to say it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked at all. And so, yeah, this um, if we do go down this Aussie route of 50 or 60 caps, looks like it's going to be 60, doesn't it? As yeah. opposed to 50. Um, I think it's the right move. I mean, if we look at, you know, you've got, you know, Burn, you know, Ty Burn, you know, leaving West Wales, heading for, heading for Cork. He wants to play for Ireland. Then you've got, you know, Underhill, haven't you? You yeah. uh, left the Ospreys to head over to England because he wants to play for England. And we, you know, we've got, we've got a complete opposite, haven't we? With Bigger and, uh, Bigger and Webb, you know, heading for England and France. And, um, they, they just know that, by going to by going to different shores, they're still going to get picked for Wales. They just that. Oh well, um, yeah, and and that. So I think yeah, the change like the needs to come in. Seems like it's the uh, well, come in tomorrow if we if if if, if we could do that. Well, it, that seems like it's the case, doesn't it? Because you've got yeah, you've got in the space of in the space of only a month, bigger and Webb, two Ospreys halfbacks, both got you know massive amount of caps for Wales both British Lions turning around and saying they're off. I think that's the conclusive proof that you need that that it's not worked because you simply, and you know, this, this change coming so soon after, if it does happen, um, it just proves that, you know, that that power is kind of with the players and, and they're confident enough to say, well, I'm moving, I'm going to get picked regardless. And if the system does change, it kind of backs that decision up. Yeah. It does. They need to. It needs. It needs to come in very, very quickly because um, uh, we'll see a number of the other boys being picked up by uh, by the English clubs, um, and a couple of our young, you know, good, you know, good young players as well. Will, you know, could be picked up now before, um, unless it comes in very, very quickly. So I, I know there's talk, isn't there, that the, the, the WIU are, um, are quite advanced with the, the, the chat already and discussions. So. Um, yeah, the quicker the, the quicker the better, really. Is it the is it the kind of the ideal scenario? Because again, I know some people have mooted this week that, and you've mentioned the Tyke Burn example that it may, you know, why why weren't the WRU looking at a route such as just play in Wales or don't get picked? Do we have the talent? Do we have the talent pool to be able to enforce that? I think it's for me. I think you have to you have to have. Um, it, it just doesn't seem quite fair, that does it? I think the the fifty or sixty cap rule um, is something that I think players as well would say, well, that's you know that's that's fair enough. And we've got to look at protecting protecting the game in Wales as well, haven't we? Because the the, the regions are already in a in a in a in a mess, and um, a rule like this will keep um, you know a lot of talent in Wales. It then may have an influence on those players that, uh, you know, when they get to their 50 or 60 caps, if an off, when, when an offer comes in for them then, because they're going to be playing with better players around them, um, 
it may make them think twice about about leaving because they're playing with their, you know, they're playing with stronger quality of players, and that's that's ultimately what a lot of uh, a lot of players want to be surrounded by, you know, quality, don't they? And we can't say that with the region with with some of the regions at the moment. You know, you've got you've got superb players playing playing with average guys, and they they don't they don't want that. So it's a necessary. It's this has to happen for uh, to protect to protect the game in Wales because we need these regions to be to be you know to be to be stronger and unless it changes they're just going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Do you think it's the long term solution though? Well, it's a solution. It's yeah for the for the moment it will be because at the moment we don't we don't have we don't have anything at all. Do we? It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a million times better than what we've got currently because there's, there's just there's nothing there at the moment currently. Um, and then maybe we can, I don't know, maybe we can tweak it from there. But I think it is this, it is the solution here. Yeah, uh, I can't, I can't see there being any other, any other way around it. I don't think we can enforce, you know, um, you have to play, you have to play, um, you have to play strictly, in, you know, in Wales to get it, you know, to be picked. I just think it's, it's, it's not quite right then. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And, and as I said, I think the, you know, the talent pool is. Is what it is, you know. If you were to have, if you were to have that, and then you did have a player like Webb walk away still and say, "Well, actually, you know, I, I still, I've still only got an opportunity to make this amount of money." You could still just see there being exemptions and what's the, you know, kind of extenuating circumstances and these other loopholes coming in anyway. So, yeah, I think you're probably right on that one. The example yeah, they, they've earned it by then as well, haven't they? If they've got to fifty or sixty caps. You know they've 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 earned that right, and then they can go you know they can go out experience something different, cash in, and um, then it can go from there. But also, with by keeping the players in Wales, it may mean that we're able to then offer um, you know a more competitive um, market rate then for some of the top boys because at the moment the gap is just so huge um, that it's just a no-brainer. Um, I mean, the, the what is it rumored to be 1.7 million, isn't it? The deal for for Webb moving to Toulon. I mean, of course he's never, of course he's not going to say no to that, is he? At, at, um, you know, he's in his late twenties, isn't he? Um, he's had a number of injuries. It's it's he, he's got to go, isn't he? Yeah, this is this is true. I mean, the example that kind of keeps bubbling around my head is someone like Cubby Boy, though, who hasn't been capped for Wales yet. You know, you almost think, well, is this is this going to keep him here because, you know, he knows that could be the difference between him getting a Wales cap and not, or is it actually, you know, is he actually going to be thinking, well, what chance have I got? I, I back my ability. I'd go and take a move elsewhere. That's the thing I, I'm kind of, and that's the kind of talent for me that we want to be keeping in Wales. You know, those, those kind of players who are, have got that, that level of ability and are still, you know, I know Cubby's not the youngest player in the world, but he's still at the, you know, still not, He's not an old player at the end of his career, you know. I think that he, he brings that experience to um, to Scarlet. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. It's those kind of examples. I'm I'm still unsure how it's going to play out. What would you would you have another another rule then in there that would that would sort of um, account for? Yes, yeah, somebody like you know James Davis then that probably well certainly at the moment feels as if he he's, he's never going to get a fifty or sixty cap. So an offer comes in, well I'll go now because. You know, I don't know that you can legislate for that, to be honest. I don't think there's a way of, you know, like we said, the current format is so complicated that no one really understands it. I'm not even sure if half the players and agents understand it. And I'm not sure by adding more loopholes that that's going to that's going to help matters. I think with a James Davis scenario, I'd have probably given him the cap that he deserves, to be perfectly honest. And I think if that's the case, then. You know, yeah, fifty, sixty might seem like a might seem like a stretch, but at least he's been, you know, he's been rewarded for the the form that that he's been able to show over the last couple of years. So, you know, so at least it then feels more real. Whereas at the moment, I think by having no caps, you almost might look at it and go, well, I've got no chance of getting in as long as Gatland's here. Um, I'm going to head off. It's a slightly difficult one because he's in such a competitive position. You know, you got Warburton, Tipperick, Griffiths, Jenkins. All of these, uh, all of these fantastic natural um, open sides that it is very, very difficult. But at the same time, I just think you know they're, they're the things that I'd like to see. I would like to see this. Um, I'd like to see this help. 
Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good point, isn't it? I mean, because we know we can't compete on the money front with the offers that'll come in for for the top talent. So we'll still, arguably, then you feel we'll still lose, we'll still lose a number of players. Yeah, I think, I think you're always going to. I do think you're always going to. But I think, yeah, I, I do see this as being a better system than than what's happened so far to date. You know, I think if it's a, a much more clear cut rule where it is sixty caps and you know, if you're a if you're a senior player in that squad, you then know that at a certain point in your career and also it probably makes it a bit easier for the for the regions to plan. You know, if you're looking at it thinking, right, well, so and so's hit is fifty caps, we know that by the end of next season he might well be looking for a move abroad. We we're not going to be able to offer him that kind of money. Uh then I think, you know, you actually that contingency planning becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it takes away um it takes away the role of quite a few of the agents as well, doesn't it? Um, because a lot of people are saying that the agents in the game are uh, are a right old nuisance, you know, causing problems with, you know, just taking players' wages, you know, up to up to new heights. Um, and uh, yeah, that's succession plan. They'll be able to, they'll know safely, won't they? This boy's going to more than likely stick with us, um, and it'd just be a lot better for the regions. So yeah. That's a great point, though, about the James Davis thing, and and that it, it basically means that yeah, there will always be a flow, won't there, of players that will leave, but it'll certainly stem it, won't it? Well, yeah, I I think it will. I think it will, but um, it, it's it's still far from ideal. I think you know the ideal scenario is we have flourishing regional rugby that players want to stick around and play for because you're able to compete for. You know, European and domestic um, honours, and you're also, you know, you're able to to earn a good a good wage and, and maximise that that earning potential as well. But we're, I think, we're a long way from being at that stage yet. So actually, if something like this can help in the meantime, then you know, I'm all for exploring it. Some other transfer news this week, though, Dan. This is a new story that's kind of broken today. Seb Davis being linked with uh, being linked with the Scarlets. We've seen no Tyg Byrne is heading over to Ireland to go and play for Munster. And we've said numerous times what a fantastic recruit he's been. Obviously a, a big role, a big big shoes to fill over at the Scarlets. And some rumours linking Seb Davis with, with taking that jersey. This is a difficult one, isn't it? Because I mean a, do you think he's he's he would you know if you were in charge of recruitment for the Scarlets, would he be your would he be kind of your your number one target? And B, do you think it's going to happen? Um, he he would definitely be a target because I think he's been absolutely incredible this this season. Um, and you you know well you know that I'm a I'm a big fan of his, and I was before, you know tipped in before when I first saw him. He's um. He's got everything, isn't he? His work rate is is literally off the scale. Um, he's running lines. He's got a, he's got a bit of dog in him as well. He's niggly. Um, we saw a bit of that, didn't we, on on, mm-hmm. on Friday night? Um, fantastic hands. He's 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 the, he's the full package. So yeah, I think you know this would be a great signing for the Scarlets if they could pick him up because um, certainly the position he's in, he's only going to get better, isn't he? He's going to get bigger. He's going to fill out. Um, and he, he just looks, he looks totally comfortable, um, playing. And, um, uh, yeah, he, I think, you know, if the, Scar- the Scarlets do, um, do come in for him, it's going to be mighty difficult for him to turn that down, isn't it? Although the Blues are going to, will put up a, 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 you know, put up a, a fight for him because, um, he is, he's hot property, isn't he? Oh, he certainly is. And I've been massively impressed with him. In the, you know, let's not forget in the handful of games that he's played, you know, he hadn't had a regional start till this season and he's featured in every single game, um, either start, you know, starting most of them and then appearance off the bench as well. He's, you know, he's looked for all of those reasons that you've just mentioned. He, he looks like the whole package. I'm very much expecting him to add to his tally of Wales caps over the autumn. We've said we've needed some fresh talent in that position. So, you know, fully understand why they're uh, why they're interested in him. I, I wouldn't. I mean, a point a point to a point to make on that is that 
he is he's played he's almost played every minute of every of every game this season and that's 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 likely to continue because of the um the sort of lack of depth of, of you know in quality in second rows at the blues whereas if he was to make a move to um to the scarlets he he'd probably be um well, he wouldn't be used as much then, um, which may make, which may, which is obviously a, is a big consideration at the moment, isn't it? Player burnout, both mentally and physically, mm. especially the position he's playing in. So, you know, his advisors may be, may be saying to him, look, you know, if the, if the offer comes in for, you know, to, to sort of keep you, um, keep you in the game for as long as possible, um, you know, we, we, we feel that, you know, it might be the right move, but it'd be hugely disappointing, wouldn't it, for the Blues? I mean, it'd be absolutely, it'd be devastating for them. Yeah, it would. And as we've covered in previous podcasts, the kind of situation and what's going on off the field and the uncertainty there. You know, again, at the moment, he doesn't know whose coach is going to be for next season. I think they're in a really difficult position here, the Blues. I could see it happening. And it's a really, really, really hard one for them to, to solve, you know, because we know that they haven't got the money to uh, to go elsewhere. And, um, and rec- you know, we've seen a second row who's supposed to be coming into the region in Franco van der Merwe, and they simply couldn't afford it. So it's not like they're going to be able to go out and recruit elsewhere. Seb Davis, you know, I don't know what money he's on, but given that it's his first, his first season, I can't imagine it's a massive... Um, it's a massive sum of money. So it's not even like there's going to be a, a huge amount of wages that's freed up. So I think really, from what I've seen in these, you know, these five or six games, I really do think he's got all the, he's got all the talent and anything they can do to keep him there uh, will be, you know, I think would be money well spent. He's going to, he's going to want to learn as well, aren't you? And when you're playing, when you're playing the game, you want to surround yourself with the best players and a lot of the Scarlet's pack, are, you know, uh, are involved with Wales, and more and more of them are going to be involved with Wales as the year goes on. So, you know, he, he, the, the coaching thing is a is a is a, a very valid point from you. He, you know, he, he's going to have he's going to have great confidence in Pivac, isn't he? Mm. Stephen Jones, Byron Hayward, you know, Taylor—they're all quality guys, and they've you know he would definitely have absolute faith in. Um, in Danny Wilson, as a lot of the Cardiff chaps have, he's technically a brilliant, brilliant forwards coach. Yeah. Um, and you know, Seb Davis, if he was, if if Danny Wilson was staying there, would you know, could quite possibly stay there because he's he's that that strong a coach, sort of on an individual level, isn't he? But to not know who's going to come in, and and you know, we haven't looked at this yet, have we? Who's going to come in? But it's probably going to be. It's not going to be. Um, it's probably not going to be a world beater. Um. Uh, you, you, if you're advising Seb Davis, um, you're going to be, it's going to be, you're going to be saying, aren't you? You, you, you probably, you've got to have a really, really strong look, you know, good look at this, and probably, probably make the move if the offer, if the offer comes in, which is a sad thing to say, isn't it, for 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 the, for the Blues? But it's reality. Yeah, it is. I mean, I do wonder though as well now. It, this is really hard to say from the outside looking in, but with someone who's as we, we often praise the Scarlets for their recruitment policy and what they've seen, you know, they've been able to pick up players who are relatively unknown, like Tyke Byrne, bring him in. And although he's only been there for, for two full seasons, he will go down as an all-time Scarlet great. I've no doubt about that whatsoever. So they've been able to pick up these players, you know, him being the kind of the, the shining example of it. But what they've also done is been able to bring through youngsters and sign them up, you know, kind of bring them through that kind of that scarlet's pathway. I just think whatever's going on at at, um, at the Blues to be looking at to be looking at this um, to be looking at next season, not having him signed up already, you know, either someone's not spotted the potential in him, or there's simply not the finances to be able to give him market rate on what a player of his potential is worth because anyone who's seen him in these in these um in these games this season can see what a class act he is so either someone's not picked up on that which i very much doubt or there simply isn't the the financial structure there to to tie up players on a you know on a more longer term commitment because 
either, you know, they're, they're going to lose out here in a big way. Yeah, if it does go. and both of those points are, are massively worrying, aren't they? If you're a player, you know, he, does someone not back me? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is there not enough money in the pot to, for, for me to have a full, a full, you know, full, full contract? Um, so again, his head's, his, you know, his head's going to be, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be turned, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how that one pans out. But he put in another fantastic shift on, on Friday night in something that was a, a real thriller at Cardiff Arms Park. That, um, that was some game of rugby, that one, Dan. Yeah, really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed that match. Um, and yeah, so he was, what I, what I really liked about, going back and said it, what I really liked about him during that game was whenever there was a, a breakaway, um, he was first there, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And then, and then he, you know, whether it be in the first minute or the, or the, uh, the 70th, you know, 70, 75th minute, or he was, he was right there and, and so up for it, wasn't he? Um, but yeah, great game. Dragons had a, you know, were great in the first half, weren't they? Um, showed a lot of grit, determination, you know, stuck with it, made masses of tackles, but, uh, just ran out of steam, didn't they? And that didn't have enough energy, um, to, uh, you know, to keep it going. A few, few great performances from some of the youngsters. Um, yeah, and all in all, a, a, a great game of rugby to watch. Yeah, I was, I, that's the, that's the first point. As we said a, a couple of times, you know, I've said it last week about the, the Scarlet's Connacht game. This week about the the derby in East Wales, there's been some really really good running rugby on display in the in the Guinness Pro 14 this season, and yeah, long may that continue because I think we've both seen our fair share of Cardiff Blues Dragons games over over the last <laughs> few years that have either been on a you know a bog of a pitch at Rodney or even you know I remember similar ones at, uh, at Cardiff Farms Park before they had the pitch laid. There as well, and they've been really, you know, not good spectacles whatsoever. Whereas, you know, at least with that game, you know, you had, yeah, ten tries in the game. So right, yeah. it was a it was a real kind of great game to watch. I found it a bit frustrating actually. I know a lot of a lot of Dragons fans, or most Dragons fans, have been quick to praise the performance, and you know, I really can't fault them. In the first half, although they played some scintillating rugby, I'm delighted with what they're showing in attack. I did find it frustrating that again, it's another game where we've simply just been knackered at 50 minutes and not been able to compete thereafter. And you really can't fault the spirit because, you know, even when we're even when the Dragons are getting pummeled, there's still loads of effort going into you know to make covering tackles and you know you saw that from from Tyler Morgan and you saw it from uh, you know from pretty much everyone in the forwards uh, at some points during that second half but it is you know it's frustrating i know the injury situation but i think that really showed because jackman was really reluctant to go to his bench even though a lot of players were out on their feet yeah he he knows isn't he and you can't fault the effort of the of the dragons players they gave absolutely everything didn't they to a man but um you know the bench was the bench was arguably the the well, was there was the difference, wasn't it? Um, when the Cardiff Blues, you know, changed the changed the front row, made a massive difference, and then the other boys that came on as well um, had, uh, uh, you know, made a big difference. And I thought I thought some of the some of the Blues, um, um, you know, sort of more experienced players really, you know, really stood up in that second half. You know, Cuthbert was was a right old nuisance, wasn't he? Mm. Taking balls off ten and nine. And just coming right down those inside channels, tying up sort of two or three players, um, which is a you know you can't underestimate that, can you? You know when you when you've got tired guys tackling someone like you know of his size, running at pace, it, it just draws every everything in, and then they're able to go out wide and play a play a wider game. Matthew Morgan made a massive difference when he came on. He's a box of tricks, wasn't he? He was, um, and this is t- this is typical of me. This you know obviously I haven't spent as you know it's no. It's no secret. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fan of Matthew Moore. I've always I got really, that in really, there before you. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, really excited to watch. For the last season, he's had you know he's had a horror show. Really, I don't think I don't think generally there's you know that many Blues fans who are massive fans of Matthew Morgan. And every time I watch him, I'm willing him to have a good game just because you know <laughs> I love watching players like that who are you know really going for it. And he's had you know he's had a real tough run of form. And then yeah, it's just typical that the the one game where I don't want him to have a to have a good game is uh, is against the Dragons, and he he pulls two tries out of the bag and and shows the 
you know, the gas and the nuisance that he is in a broken game like that. Yeah, you only had to look at the the, um, the tackle count, didn't you? From the moment he came on, you could you knew that this was going to be a this was going to be the game for him because there were so many tired you know tired uh, you know tired chaps out there on the on the dragon side. So he made a he made a massive difference. And in the second half, there um, you know Jared Evans was uh, was made to look brilliant i thought um he's a, he's a very nice footballer he's a he's a true rugby footballer isn't he as a 10 very different type of player than shingler um his passing game is exceptional but he it's had so much to time to cut inside and to look to do things differently as well he's you know he's a very attack minded outside half he is but he off he 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 makes a lot of mistakes as well doesn't he from um uh, sort of tactically, you know, he, li- he likes to kick. I mean, when they do come off, they're brilliant. But he he does things that uh, he forces things that aren't often aren't often needed. And I just thought in that second half that he was made to look brilliant by the by the Dragons. That he had so much time on the ball um, that they really needed to be you know coming up on him quickly because if you give him time, he will find those lovely passes, whether it be a missed one or just a simple flat pass. Um, the Blues were really good at having inside options and outside options all game, so they made it they made it really comfortable for him. But he had a you know he had a, he had a, a very sort of tidy game, didn't he? A neat game. Um, and um, and then you had the likes of you know talking about coming back to the the more experienced players, people like Tom James that that really stood up, didn't yeah. he? With you know he carried really well. Um, you know he's a, he's a he's a nuisance, isn't he? He's hard to put down. Um, and Lilo again was was up to up to all sorts. So um, and Navidi as well um, really stepped up. So those boys really really came to the fore, didn't they? And just took it up a level when uh, the Dragons were were really running running on empty. Um, which I was dis- it was disappointed. I was you know disappointed as as you know as no doubt you were to to see, but it was kind of inevitable then when you looked at the two squads. Um, do you think that the Dragons could have done anything to um, have sort of prevented that meltdown then in the second half? Like, yeah, like you say there, and, and as we said earlier, it's difficult when you've got that lack of experience on the bench and you've got so many injuries. But I really thought, you know, Jackman made a lot of a lot of press coverage in the week by saying, oh, yeah, this is a bit of a freebie for us. You know, Blues go in definitely his favourites, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he meant that at all, actually. I think I think he went there thinking that there was a win up for grabs. And I think there, there probably was, but it, I think it really showed just how um, how we, we haven't got the full 80 minutes in us in that match day squad yet. But even even bearing that in mind, you know, I thought, you know, I thought Henson had a fantastic first half. He looked brilliant on the ball again. But come the second half, I think he was starting to struggle and he was looking you know, you started to look tired as well. Now, obviously, we're not privy to the, the, you know, to the GPS data and the stats and things like that. But uh, he just looked a bit tired and frustrated. And he's played a lot of rugby this year. And he's 35 years old. And I thought that was one of the positions where we did have cover on the bench. You know, with Angus O'Brien on the bench. Yeah. I felt like we could have made that change a bit earlier on. Yeah, I would have, I would have made that change. He, he looked... Uh... He looked mentally tired as well, didn't he, as much as anything? Because when he was getting <coughs> those passes, he was doing this sort of lazy, a lazy pass to the outside, which uh, it was a really short pass. He did it on about two or three occasions, yeah. and it was so easy for for um, for the Blues just to. Well, there was no, you you knew exactly what he was going to do. It was just a simple little pass out to the to the left, and and they were getting they were getting smashed. So that type of a change, and he is he's a, he's you know he's a good player, isn't he? Um, uh, Angus O'Brien. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you've got to. We might, we might have said this um, a few times before, but you know, there's a lot of young talent around that squad, and then there's some really inexperienced players. And I think you're now looking at the likes of Hallam Amos and and Angus O'Brien to a certain extent, and go, well, look, this isn't your first season now. There's guys around you who haven't got, you know, barely got one or two regional appearances under their belt. You know that's where you're actually going to need you're going to need those players to step up a level and um, and yeah I, I, I don't know I found that a bit concerning that he wasn't 
prepared to bring O'Brien on a little bit earlier. And so, yeah, it's just a, cu- a couple of things like that. I mean, I just thought, you know, when we went, when we were obviously blowing and we went, you know, went one score and then two score down, I just thought, I just may as well empty the bench, just empty the bench and um, and get those, get those players on, give them a bit of experience. And at least you've got fresh legs on there because that was the problem is we were just too tired to compete with the, the Blues. Yeah, you could see Jackman was caught, wasn't he, between... You know, I just wonder whether you know the the guys that are on there who are the better players can can find something or you know, but it just it it just moved it moved away, didn't it? Um, you know, quite quickly from from the Dragons. I thought um thought Amos, you know, Amos played uh, played well. Warren, I thought was 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 sharp. Yeah, I saw Warren um, get a five out of ten in the uh for the the player ratings of Wales Online. I thought it was a bit harsh. I thought he I thought he did well as a last minute as a last minute stand in and. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a good. He's a good player. Again, I think he's the kind of player that um, you need in and around the squad because he's a the kind of guy who can he can do a job at centre and on the wing. He very rarely lets you down. He's he's, he's very consistent. Isn't he? He's not. You know, he's not slow. He's yeah. I, I, you know, I really like him. I think they're they're the kind of squad players that you need um, in order to get more competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What did you make of? Um... What did you make of uh, Screech for um, for the sort of fifty or sixty minutes? He was uh, he was on the park in the second row there. I think, to be honest, I thought he he probably I, I thought they went pretty well. I, you know, I, I don't think second row was I don't think it was our best second row performance of the of the season actually. And you know, I think Corey Hill's been really impressive this season. And I think Screech has has come in and done a has done a good job on a few occasions. Um, I feel like this is a bit of a loaded question, this Dan. I feel like you've got a, you've got a, a clear. I'm going to unleash some yeah, some massive to, stats on I'm, it. Was it? I'm no, keen, I just, I'm keen yeah, to no. see what your uh, yeah what your take is. Yeah, I, I thought he got through a mountain of work. Yeah, um, I mean, he because he does. Yeah, he sort of went about things silently. Um, he was hitting everyone, and um, yeah, I was, I was just impressed with his with the time that he was on there. He, he certainly emptied the tank. There was mm-hmm. no doubt about that, and. Um, I, they, the, you know, the fir- the first half performance from the Dragons was really impressive, wasn't it? And I thought he was at the he was at the heart of that. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's it was it was it was a shame, wasn't it? But a great, you know, I think overall a great game, um, and the fans that that obviously went to watch that game would have come away thinking, you know, we've seen we've seen a good good game, a great great derby. Um, there was no niggle, was there? But um, was a bit of niggle. Well, I see, actually, there was a little. There bit was. Niggle, there was a scrap yeah. after a, a scrum, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, I was. I think it was when the the Blues bought on their replacement front row, and I think Matthew Reese was at the the centre of that with uh, that's right with Elliot D and uh, yeah, Elliot D was in there, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. And well, that's nice, nicely led on to D. Good grief, he is uh, He's playing really He's well, isn't he? Flying. Yeah, love him in the loose. Well. But he's a real, he's a real dog then, isn't he? As well in the tight, you know, pro- looks like a, sc- a proper scrummaging hooker. Um, you know, throws him well, and he's out, he's all around the park, isn't he? All action. What hands on him? Um, I tell you, the other thing is you mentioned earlier about Seb Davis and every every break that someone made, it felt like Davis was the first man there in support. I feel very similar about Elliot D. Actually, is whenever there's a break, you know, even that. The the one that uh, the Tyler Morgan made to set up the try, you know, he's right there on the pitch to again. Yeah. You see, you know, he's the second or third bloke there to congratulate him after that. You know, he's certainly the first forward there. So that level of mobility is going to hold him in good stead. Again, just praying he can he can carry on this this season. Stays fit, free. Isn't it? Um, yeah, because yeah, he's a he's a real class act. Yeah, I'd I'd have him. Um, I definitely have him in the uh, in the Welsh squad for the autumn. You. You think in the same? Yeah, I'd have him on the bench for me. I'd have uh, I'd have Ken starting and, and him on the bench. Who would your uh, Who would your third hooker be? Uh, good choice. Yeah, sorry, good question. I think it's a choice then between Elias and Daisy. And yeah, I thought Daisy had a decent. He obviously got on the score sheet. We haven't played that much rugby yet um, this season, so. Um, but he's a good player. I like him. Um, and then I've been really, yeah, really impressed with uh, Elias over the last twelve months or so. So yeah, it'd be a toss-up between those two for me. Any anyone yeah. else for for you? While we're on, uh, 
obviously there's gonna be a lot more Team Wales chat as we get closer to the well, autumn. But Otten's playing well, isn't he? Yeah, um, he is at the moment, and um, you know Parry obviously as well. You know, we've 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 always liked, didn't we? Um, but it's not you know it doesn't it's not playing uh, not playing much. Um, I'd I go with Elias. Yeah, I think uh, I think Parry will probably still get a few more games in while. Uh, well, Scott Baldwin is is having repairs to his lion taming hand, so I I think uh, yeah, Parry will probably Parry and Otten you know alternate for a little bit now. Yeah, it's great that Scott Baldwin's been uh, he's been quite proactive on Twitter, isn't he? Coming yeah. out with coming out with comments, which is he's making a you know making a um, a few light-hearted jokes about the situation, which is I think which is nice to see now, isn't it? It was a little bit silly, but. He's, well, uh, it's more than yeah. It was more. Than, it was more than a little bit silly because he stuck his hand in a line, you know, in the to a line. Well, we've page. we've all done that, haven't we? <laughs> and yeah, you know, obviously it could have been so much worse. It could but, have been. Um, by all accounts, you know, he's a he's a, he's a, a nice bloke, is Scott, and made a very daft mistake and not one I think he's going to be making again. You know, and he's he's never going to live it down because it's just one of those <laughs> one of those quirky rugby stories and it's uh you know but yeah you're right I, I think he's obviously taking it in good humor and uh is uh is keen to kind of make a he's keen to make light of it so yeah fair play to him did uh, you see the message okay. from from andy powell i did yes yeah, yeah. it's great that wasn't it <laughs> a man who's no stranger to uh to a daft decision although uh yeah yeah i suppose paulis was uh, at least induced by uh a pretty heavy night of celebratory beers and uh and God knows what else in uh, in his occasion, but uh, yeah, I suppose yeah. while we're, while we're talking about uh, while we're talking about Scott Baldwin, that probably leads us quite nicely onto Saturday night's game, uh, which was another lively one, wasn't it? Osprey Scarlets. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, another another great game, wasn't it? Um, really close at the end. There probably shouldn't have been as uh, as close as uh, as the scoreboard said with a number of those missed kicks. But yeah, good game. Um, Ospreys fronted up, didn't they? Certainly, uh, first half, I thought they played played well. Um, they were very physical. Um, they didn't play any sort of uh, any football then, really at all. It was just bish bash bosh. Um, uh, but no, um, there was no link play at all between the forwards and the backs. Um, they look like they look like two separate sides. You know, you've got the forwards, and then you've got the backs. Um, there's no one, no one binding the two at all, um, and um, yeah, I thought the Scarlets were a bit, um, a bit off song. They were, um, they were shocked a little bit by the Ospreys' physicality early on, but then as the game came on, they, um, they just got more and more into it, didn't they? And they had too much, you know, they had far too much for the, uh, for the Ospreys um, at the end. But for me, the, the, the Ospreys could have, could have done a lot better if they, if their tactics had been different. Um, and they went about um, they went about trying to play trying to play too wide, and um, for me the right way for them to play would have been coming straight down Patchell's channel all day long. Um, they haven't got the confidence at the moment to play wide, and they're throwing the ball around. They're not they're not, they're not they don't know what they're doing, so they should have just played ball in rugby, kicked the corners, up and unders, um, put pressure on um, put pressure on um, Johnny McNichol. Under the you know under the high ball if he's because Johnny McNichol does make mistakes if he's um, if he's challenged so if the kicks are good and the chase is good he'll make errors um, and Asquith was, was is, is you know can you can also have the same uh, he can he can make errors as well if he's challenged if he's not he's brilliant um, so for me they got the tact Osprey's got the tactics wrong they tried to play a bit too much yeah I, I think that's a pretty Decent assessment, to be honest. I think you're right. We've said before, you know, McNichol is a is a devastatingly good player in the back. And actually, he probably had one of his more quiet nights actually on Saturday. But yeah, he certainly, for me, I I feel he's a much better proposition on the wing because he doesn't have to worry about um he doesn't have to worry about the 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 critical positioning that you need as a fullback. I think his position is good enough for. On the wing, and you know he doesn't get peppered with as many high balls. He's the last player you want to kick to loosely, but I think when you're yeah. an outside half like Dan Bigger, who tends to weight his kicks perfectly and chases them himself, I think you're right. I think that was probably something that Ospreys could have uh, could have exploited there. 
And yeah, I just really expected the Ospreys to do that because you you know when you got someone as damn big as quality, you would have expected them you know the coaching staff to say right, we know the team doesn't have any confidence at the moment, so the likelihood is that the passing isn't going to be that accurate. It's going to be either behind or in front or drop balls. So let's keep it to let's let's involve Dan as much. It's going to be the Dan bigger show. It's going to be up and unders. It's going to be you know strong grubber kicks, positional kicking, um, dinks over the top, and everyone knows that that's what that's how we're going to play against the Ospreys, and we're really going to frustrate uh, against the Scarlets. So we're really going to frustrate them. They didn't do it, and I think um, if they had done that. It, it, it probably could have been a different, a different outcome, uh, a different outcome for the Ospreys. I was so convinced that the Ospreys were going to actually get a win on this, which is probably a little surprise. And I put a, I put a couple of quid on them, which, um, as you know, I'm not a, not a betting man. But uh, good God, it was, yeah, it was a waste, wasted ten pounds. Eh? But um, yeah, I was frustrated they didn't, they didn't, they didn't play, uh, play to their strengths. Really. Yeah, yeah, I thought I think you're right. That was a bit strange. I think the other crucial thing was that would really have turned the pressure on because Scarlets were missing easy kicks. Patchell had a horror. I've never seen Reese Patchell kick off the tee as badly as that. You know, I think in years gone by, you used to see there, you know, be outside halves who had those kind of those horror show performances. But generally, the the Welsh fly halves that we've seen coming off the production line of late all kick, you know, all kick in this really kind of assured confident manner and you know to me Patchell generally kicks uh, you know not quite as prolifically as Dan Bigger but he kicks in a very similar style you know he kicks it high and strikes the ball very cleanly but every single one he shanked on Saturday. Yeah his other kicking performances has been good this year but yeah not that it was one to one to forget. And I think just to, to bring this on to to kind of the because the derby games often bring up these big matchups that um there can be good indicators for how Gatland is, is going to select. And I think Patrick has been playing fantastically. I've been an advocate of getting him in the whale set up to try and, you know, liven up the backs outside him. But, you know, I think if you're, if you're looking at it based on that, I think Bigger had a much better game than, than Patchell did. Yeah, it was, I didn't think, um, yeah, I didn't think either of the tens had um, had great games. Um, just because I thought that both the tens didn't play to the strengths of their own team. For instance, um, I thought that Patchell, if he brought if he brought the cent, I thought the, if he brought the centres, so Hadley Parks and 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 JD, if they if they'd run more straighter lines. Um, sort of coming back in an angle, almost back towards the forwards against uh, Hook and Fonatier, who for me were completely at sea for the whole mm. game. I don't think they knew. They, they, it didn't look as if they'd ever. Well, they haven't played together. They, 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 were, they didn't know what on earth was going on. And we saw an example there when Hadley Parks, and it was sort of broken play a little bit, but when he when he took the ball up, he checked. Yeah. He checked inside, and um, rather surprisingly. Alan Wynne Jones fell off the tackle, didn't he? Um, Kieran Fonatier was, was was blown apart. Hook sort of fell over him. Well, they caught the other two kind of bowled Hook over, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was um, it was like something you see in a circus. And then um, he just took a lovely little sort of he, he fainted to go fainted to go left, then went right, and just knew that obviously the support lines of uh, is Gareth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, who always runs those brilliant lines. Um, uh, was 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 there on his shoulder, but I think the uh, that's something that the the Scarlets didn't pick up didn't pick up on was they if they they could have come down that come down that channel a lot more, and they would have got a lot of uh, um, you know a lot of yardage from that. But they you know they didn't they were going they were going wide. Um, so for me, the both tens were a little bit off a little bit off song. I expected more from them really. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a again pretty fair assessment. As you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned earlier, plenty of passion on display and uh, a fairly big by modern standards scuffle in the first half. What did uh, what did you make of that one? Yeah, I quite like to see the scuffles um, <laughs> because we don't we don't really see any now, do we? No. Um, and you used to see loads, didn't you? Because you know the games were. 
the games were derbies, weren't they? You know, you, almost every game was had some niggle, had some you know some spice to it. Then didn't it? You know, um, there was always you know someone disliked someone, or uh, or the fact that someone wanted a you know someone was trying to take someone else's place. Mm. So almost all the games there was there was niggle, wasn't there? It just was. Um, so I actually quite enjoy it. You know, I know it's you know a lot of people would probably say, oh well, you know that's that's not what we want. That's not what we want to see, but. I do, I do actually. Um, what, what about you? Uh, yeah, I always find it quite exciting to be honest. When there's a scuffle, it's strange now because you don't, you know, obviously you don't get the the big flying fists that you used to get. But uh, it, it, I think it's it's quite good to see during. You know, I would expect tempers to boil over in a game of that uh, of that kind of magnitude. So I I don't particularly mind it. What I did find quite strange was I was I was surprised not to see Reese Webb um, get binned for his part in that in that scuffle. It's it was a strange one because he kind of he went with a bit of an open palm and didn't quite connect, and it looked like it was a bit of an elbow that that also didn't quite connect. And then there was some kind of contact around the eye that I've subsequently seen on social media. It's a bit harder to judge on Twitter than because I didn't actually see it at the time. But um, I, I'm surprised he didn't go for one of those for one of those offences. And Tyburn didn't seem to be massively involved. It seemed to be that James Hook was trying to pull his head off. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I found that weird. But then I'm no stranger to to finding John Lacey's refereeing odd. Yeah, he didn't have. He, he had a really really bad game, didn't he? Yeah, um, I, I think surprisingly, you, you probably saw my tweet earlier that I was really. I did. The thing that just really annoyed me is right at the end of the game, you know, really tense derby. Her temper's boiling over. Ospreys, you know, could have won it, um, but didn't. And then, you know, as it's getting right into the crucial, you know, last five minutes or so, you had a couple of big scrums and then loads of whooping and hollering from the Scarlets boys. And it's obviously, you know, that that kind of thing's startling, showing a lot of emotion in a in a local derby. And he's telling them to calm down. It's not as if he was, they were rubbing it in the faces, you know. I, yeah. I just found that completely, completely unnecessary. You know, again, I just thought it was great to see that, you know, around a big scrum like that, you see what a tight unit they are and and yeah, how much it means to them. How much it means to them. I, I just thought, you know, God, is that really what we're trying to, what we're trying to police? Yeah, I thought it was really, really surprising as well and, and peculiar. Actually, it was odd. And a really odd thing to say, um, because yeah, they weren't in they weren't in their faces, were they at all? They were they were you know sort of bigging each other up then. Um, but um, yeah, peculiar. But he's a peculiar referee, isn't he? He is. Another slightly peculiar thing I thought was given how you know the Scarlets definitely finished the game stronger. I was surprised they didn't push on and go for the bonus point. Now I know it was only a one point game, and you know an intercept, you know a big pass could have led to an intercept that would have cost them that, but I felt like they had such the upper hand and they were making ground every time they kind of took the ball into contact and those the driving line outs were going really well. I'm surprised they booted the ball out at the end. I thought they might have tried to truck it a few phases um, and just try and, you know, keep it tight and push towards the line and, and try and get that bonus point. Or is that just me being kind of too uh, too idealistic, sat miles away from the game? Yeah, I don't know. I... It's hard, isn't it? To, if it's, I think the Scarlets obviously knew that they were definitely in a the game there, um, and you know, that was evident from the fact they just they just kicked it off. They 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 went through a couple of phases, didn't they? Um, so I think they were having to think about it um, sort of earlier on, and then and they just decided to you know to take take the win, didn't they, and, uh, and move on to the top of the group, aren't they? Um, and um, yeah, I think probably it was a it was the it was the right thing it was the right thing to do in the end. Um, but um, yeah, it's one of those things that you never know. You never know what would have happened. No, this is uh, yeah, that's very true. And had they thrown a an intercept pass and the Ospreys had won, we'd have been all obviously. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you something. Oh, go on. Do you think that before the game? Looking at the fact that uh, Byrne had moved to um, was it was in the back row, mm. do you think that the Ospreys could have done something there to to 
you know, to sort of maybe expose him, albeit you could probably play him at 10 and he'd have a, <laughs> a, a um, fantastic game. Look, I know you, I know he wore eight on his back, but I think generally he did the, the role of the blind side. He was packing down at blind side and he's so comfortable over the ball that he, he actually steals ball like an open side anyway. Not sure. I don't. I don't really think that there was anything that they could have done to to exploit that because that back row just went so well for me. You know, I think um, Shingler was terrific again. Uh, Will Boyd, I've been so impressed with. And when again, is Shingler <laughs> when is Shingler going to have a bad game or an average game? Yeah, I mean I, this is a long, a long, long. You know, he's, he's got, it's a huge run of form, isn't it? Yeah, and I think he's been such a crucial, such a crucial player for them. Um, you know, we said it before; he's got everything. Um, he's, a, you know, he's a big lump, so he carries hard. He's athletic. He's quick. He's a gets her a ton of tackling. He's a good line-out option, and he's spiky as anything. So, you know, I, I think he's fantastic. For me, I'd start him number six for Wales in the in the autumn. Whether or not he will, you know, remains to be seen. But he I, he reminds me a lot of the way he's playing at the moment as a as like a he reminds me of Peter Omani. That's the, and as you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of Omani. I think he just he gets through so much. You see him everywhere hitting rucks and really hard in the tackle and you know can do um can slow the ball down and and cause problems at the breakdown. I just think he's one of those really spiky niggly horrible back row forwards that you'd hate to play against. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He's um, the, the the size of him as well, isn't he? His, you know, his hands are in everywhere. His legs, his, his you know, his head. He looks like a dinosaur, doesn't he? He's, yeah, he does. <laughs> he's, he's awkward. I mean, I I I haven't mentioned him for a couple of weeks because um, obviously the back the back end of last year it was uh, it was getting a little bit ridiculous, wasn't it? The, the, the amount of chat I was giving him about him. But what for the for the autumn? We mentioned the autumn internationals there. Um. I I would definitely have him in the squad, but I'd use him um, in some of the games, but not in others. Have you got any take on that? Um, um, well, I'm keen to understand why, because for me, I just think you need. I, I would want an out and out blind side in there who is who's going to get through a huge amount of work. I am expecting, again, if this is me selecting the side, I'd have Justin Tipperick at open side. And therefore, I think anything you can do to, to to add more physicality to that back row, um, I would I would have him in there. And again, he's another line out option. I just think, and he, and just for for pure form, you know, he, I think he's the most informed blindside um, in Wales and has been We've for a while. We said, haven't we? Got to play, you know, got to pick the boys on form. Yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah, your what's yeah. your rationale behind only playing him in some games? Um, the I've just got I've got a few concerns over the um, over the New Zealand game um, and the the Australia game um, with playing him with playing him in the with playing him at six more so the Australia game to be honest. Um, in that particular in that particular game, I'd probably go with two sevens against Australia. Mm. Um, so what? Tipperick then actually, and, I'll change. Tipperick and Thomas Young, maybe, or Tipperick and yeah. Griffiths. Yeah, Tipperick, Tipperick and Griffiths, or yeah, or, or, or equally, yeah, Tipperick and and and, and Young. Um, those two, and then actually, yeah, for, for the New Zealand game, probably, I'd probably. Probably then revert to Tipperick and 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 Shingle actually, um, so I think we're going to have to be quite cute in these autumn internationals at who we, you know, who we use at six, um, at certain times, um, but is is just a line-out option as well from him, isn't it? Is is great, and the fact that he's um, um, he's now got this um, this lovely passing game, isn't he as well? Yeah, I think he's shown those really nice touches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So he's um, he's one to um, he's got to be in there somewhere, isn't he? Well, I I think so. One team he's definitely in this week is uh, is the team of the week. 
which uh, if you've been listening over the last few weeks, you'll know we do in association with our friends over at uh, adrig.co.uk, the uh, Welsh sports website, which uh, is well worth a look. So every week they put up their team of the week and uh, we select one player from it who is our, our kind of player of the week. Uh, so yeah, plenty of plenty of stuff over there to, uh, to keep you entertained throughout the week and also uh, not just rugby as well. So in a week that sees uh, that sees uh, some pretty crucial games for uh, for Wales football side as well. Obviously that win on Friday night and then a um, a kind of almost yeah almost winner takes all scenario on Monday night. There's uh, there's plenty of chat on adrive.co.uk for you to uh, have a look at ahead of uh, Wales versus Ireland. But let's keep it rugby for the time being. I'm just going to run through the team that uh, they've picked, and then we'll be asking you, Dan, for your thoughts on who the player of the week should be. So this is uh, the team as picked uh, by Craig at a drag. And it's Hallam Amos at fullback, wings of Alex Cuthbert and Steph Evans, Tyler Morgan and Hadley Parks in the centre, Jared Evans and Gareth Davis halfbacks, Wynne Jones, Elliot D, Samson Lee in the front row, Seb Davis, Lewis Rawlins in the second row, Aaron Shingler, as we've mentioned, Will Boyd and uh, James Benjamin as fullback. First of all, any... Um, Anyone in there that, that you disagree with or anyone you would have liked to have seen in there, Dan? Was, um, was Tyler Morgan in there? Yes, he was at uh, the centre, yeah. And D was in there. And D in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah those two boys are first on my uh, first, first on my team. I, I don't think I disagree with uh, mm. with any of those any of those choices, actually. Absolutely spot on for me. You? Yeah, I, actually, I think this is probably out of all the weeks we've done it. That's the one where, um, the one where I'm kind of, I'm thinking it's it's pretty much, pretty much how I'd have uh, how I'd have picked it really. Um, don't know. Yeah, I think, don't know. Potentially outside half. Don't know. I think I think Jared Evans has had a bit of an up and down game, but then I think all of the, all of the uh, the outside halves this this week did. So it's probably about right. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's pretty. Pretty much where uh, where I'd expect it to be uh, this week. In terms of the one player who stood out, though, is there a player you've got in mind or a shortlist? Yeah, there's a, there's a few. Um, I thought that um, Hadley Parks had a had a, a great a great game, didn't he? And a couple of just showed his class in a couple of key moments um, that just changed just changed the game. Um, Win Jones, yeah, massive game from massive game from him. Um, really liked uh, liked his performance on the weekend. Said Davis, you know, just seems. I, I keep thinking that he can't possibly trump his previous game, mm. but then he just he, he he does. So I don't I don't know why. Maybe maybe he'll start flying next week, <laughs> um, because he just he's just getting better and better. Um, I thought D was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely superb, um, and um, I liked watching Jared Evans. I thought he was the pick of the ten, pick of the tens for me. Um, it's lovely to see, um, lovely to see sort of like a nice crisp passing passing ten. He's got a good kicking game, and then when he did that that sort of that sort of show and go, it was uh, it was good. But I did I did do think he was made to look made to look a lot better. Um, so. Yeah, but my am I picking the am I picking the the main guy or go you know, uh, you can have another? Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Win Jones. Nice, all right. Yeah, one, yeah. Of, one of the front rows. Good shout. Yeah, good uh, good performance for him. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a good shout for mine. I'm I'm gonna go for it's really tough call for me. It's between Shingler and Elliot D. Um, but I'm just gonna go for I'm just gonna go for Shingler on it I think uh, for, yeah. for all the reasons we yeah. kind of mentioned earlier. But yeah, some awesome some awesome performances in there this week. So uh, yeah, do make sure you head over to a drive.co.uk for uh, uh, to have a look and uh, have a look at all the the reasoning behind that that uh, team of the week. And that pretty much brings us to a conclusion for this week's episode. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, European rugby to look forward to next week. So we'll be digesting all of that. Uh, so exploits in the Heineken Cup and Parker Penn Shield, as we all know that, continue to refer to it. And, uh, yeah, if you've got any thoughts or you want to 
uh, you want to share with us, you can do so by getting in touch with us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum or by uh, by giving us a like on Facebook. We've had tons of new likes this week, which is fantastic. So thanks very much for your support on there. And uh, yeah, if, if, if you've got any mates who you think would like to uh, would like to listen to the podcast or see what we get up to on social media, make sure you spread the word. And uh, that's hugely appreciated. And as always, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, if you do that, we'll give you a shout out on air as well. So that's pretty much it, it from us for this week. And we will be back next week after the European uh, Rugby Weekend. And uh, we will speak to you then. Podcast Network.